Today on the Signature Life Podcast, we got the one and only Maury Kimball. He's been from Sweden, from Georgia, and lives in Salt Lake City now, and he's down visiting in Vegas today. Welcome to the Signature Life Podcast, where we sit down with signature real estate agents with a shared conviction that moving towards things we want in life starts with the choices we make today. We are creating an ever-evolving culture for those who wish to participate in a larger mission to help others achieve their full potential and a signature life. I like to tell stories. Yeah, well, stories are good. Um, well, speaking of that, why don't you tell the story how we met? Oh, yeah. Well, we met at a real estate conference up in Toronto. Right. Yeah, well, you have the... The better point of view to tell that story. The better point of better view, better than I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was interesting. We met because um, obviously your brother Spencer Kimball uh, sold me my first franchise. Uh, it was a different brand, and uh, I was going up for broker owner training. And that's what that event was. And I called Spencer and I basically said, "Hey, what time do you get in?" He says, "I get in at like eleven o'clock at night, but uh, look for my brother Maury." He's up there. He drinks because <laughs> your brother Uh-oh. your brother doesn't. But yeah. um, you and I partake in a drink or two, and um, so we get there and we're heading to the bar because in the in the lounge there, in the, yeah, hotel. the hotel. Yeah, and uh, nothing crazy, but we're gonna go have a drink and and that. So we we get the house phone and we call see if we can get hold of Maury in his room. Nobody answers, and we walk into the bar, sit down at the thing, and you said, "Are you guys with?" Um, exit Realty, and I said, is your name Maury? And we've been friends ever since. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we kind of stumbled into it, but um, yeah, it's it's been awesome. And then um, you're originally from Georgia. Yeah, I was born in Georgia, and I lived in Georgia uh, until I was in the eighth grade. And then when I was in the eighth grade, my dad got a, a work opportunity, so uh, my family moved to Sweden. 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 Yeah, quite a move from yeah. from Georgia, but yeah, um, yeah. So uh, my mom and dad and my family they're very active in in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and so my dad was offered a, a position in the missionary department, working for the church in mm-hmm. Sweden, basically supervising their missionary effort there, and so and and. It's a volunteer position, you know, but my dad was very excited to do it. And so, yeah, somewhere between eighth and ninth grade for me, I didn't know anything about Sweden. It was just a place on a map. Mm-hmm. But our, our whole family moved there, and uh, I'm the oldest child. I, I have a sister named Faith. Mm-hmm. She's two years younger, and Faith now and her family, they, they live in Henderson, Nevada. And then my brother Spencer, he's four years younger. And now uh, Spencer and his family live in Destin, Florida. Right. But, but at the time, you know, we got, got on the airplane and left everything that I knew in Georgia behind and moved over to Sweden. But in Georgia, you were in a small town, right? Right. Well, we, we moved around fairly regularly with my dad's work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my dad's in the nursing home business. And he owned and ran nursing homes. And so... Um, we moved depending on what he was doing with work. So, yep, we lived in a small town about an hour outside of Atlanta. 
we we lived in, a, in an Atlanta suburb. Uh-huh. And then though, but right before, yeah, we'd moved back out to the countryside, about an hour outside of Atlanta, northwest of Atlanta, um, near the Alabama border. And it, it was it was a very small town. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, town of ten thousand people. Like <laughs> yeah, my parents still today have a have a house there. And that's what I say about that place. There's more cows than people. Cedar, <laughs> you know? Cedar Town. Cedar Town right? is, is the name of the town. And, yep, so we made the move from, from Cedar Town to we moved to Stockholm, Sweden. Wow. So, yeah, that qu- quite a move. Did you like it up there? Oh, yeah, I liked it a lot. So um, for ninth grade, I went to the International School of Stockholm was where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And it, it was in an office building downtown. It was in a high-rise. And so I was in, on the ninth grade, <clears throat> excuse me, in the ninth grade, and the, it, it was a nine-story building. So the ninth graders, we were on the ninth floor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they, they wouldn't let us take the elevators up. You had to walk up every day. But, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool, though. I mean, uh, we lived in a house uh, out in the suburbs. Uh-huh. So every day I'd, you know, get up, walk to the bus stop, the bus would take me to the subway, and then the subway ride to school was about an hour. So, and then school was downtown, downtown Stockholm. So it was really cool to to go into downtown every day. So, how long did you guys live there? We lived there as a family for for three years. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was ninth, tenth, and eleventh grade. And yeah, we, I mean, as a family there, we we really liked it. My my dad was really fulfilled doing that work for the church. Right. And for me, it, it was awesome. So um, in my class at school, uh, we had 30 kids in the class, and they were from 26 different countries. So it was, you know, an incredible mix of people all over the world. What and, a great experience. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still friends today with a lot of my classmates from, from back then. And it, it really was just, well... A, a very eye-opening experience to to get to know just people from the other side of the world from you, mm-hmm. and and I really learned that just we as people we have a lot more in common than than we ever have differences, and so yeah, I mean, people that I met back then are are still great friends today. That's cool, and you learned the language. Yeah, I was really bad at it at, <laughs> at, at first. And uh, my accent was really bad, and so all of my friends would make fun of me. But in, in time, I got to where I was pretty good, and so I could speak and, and read Swedish pretty well. Which helped you later because you went back and served a, a mission there. Yeah, exactly right. Well, so, yeah, we moved back to Georgia because my dad's time, it was a, a three-year term. So our family moved back to Georgia. We moved back to Cedartown. That would be quite the shock. Yeah. It's probably more of a shock coming back to Cedartown than it was to going to Sweden. Yeah, and I was there for my, my senior year uh, of high school. And so, yeah, it, it was a tough year because all of my really good friends were back in Sweden. So, mm-hmm. And everybody kind of had their group of friends and all like that, but I, I knew I needed to get my degree and get out of school. So, you know, that's, that's what I did. Um, yeah, looking back on it, I wish I 
could have found a way to stay in Sweden with my friends. To finish out the school year to or finish, just totally? Because yeah, to gra- I could have graduated in Sweden, but instead uh-huh. I went back and finished up and I you know, got my high school diploma and graduated in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But then I knew, too, that you know, I, uh, I knew that I wanted to serve a mission for the church, and, and the church could have sent me anywhere in the world. And uh, I felt very fortunate because they decided, you know, with my language and whatnot, they sent me right back to Sweden. Yeah. So, yeah, which was really funny. So I've been away from my friends for a year, and then I show right back up and I'm a missionary. And, you know, so I'm trying to take it very seriously working for the church, and my friends are just happy that I'm back. Right. You know, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, and I was in the same town where I used to live you know, going to school and as a civilian, and then I'm trying to be all serious as a missionary, and um, my former girlfriend's calling me on the phone, you know, my friends are calling all the time. Oh, they just show up at, at the apartment where we lived and all like that, but oh, it, it was pretty funny. But you were disciplined. Yeah, I mean, to me, um, yeah, like, it, it was a job and something I took seriously, so I, I worked hard at it, yeah. you know? I'm still nice to my friends, and we had uh, one off day a week, which all that really did was confuse them more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can only play about, with you one day a week. <laughs> why I could only go play basketball one day a week, or go hang out with them one day a week, and then yeah, all that did was make them call me more. Yeah, but no, I was still like, for me, it was a, a really good experience, and two being that young, uh, you know, nineteen and twenty years old for me. The church gave you, you got a lot of responsibility. And so I I got to do things, meet people and see things that I never would have otherwise. Like, you know, one of of the big jobs as missionaries is we would go, the the elderly and sick and, you know, people like that who had a hard time getting out, we'd go visit them. And uh, I, I really, really enjoyed that because you you could see some people they were you know older and and sick and they didn't have any family left and so when we came when we came to visit it was a big deal for them and so you know um i always wanted to go and and cheer them up and make them smile and and to me that that brought me a lot of joy and fulfillment that that i was able to do that and and two even that that the church trusted us young kids to go and do that. To me, it was, it was very important to, to, to do a good job and take it seriously. Yeah. So if you had to do it again, all over again, you would? You know, I, I have a, a lot different perspective on it now, um, being older. But yeah, I think I would. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I learned a lot of things that have stayed with me uh, all my life about... You know, you you don't judge people about how they look. You don't judge people by where they come from. You should be nice to everybody and respectful to everybody. And and if you are, most of the time they will be respectful of you. Right. You know, n- good not lessons. always. But it, it's something that it served me well in in my personal life and in business. That you never know who you're talking to, and, and really too, that you know we we may not share a religion or we may not share a common language but well and 
on the surface, maybe we have nothing in common. And some of those people have treated me so wonderfully. And, you know, I was able to bond with them. Um, yeah, and just great experience that, you know, you just, you're in the wrong if you go in judging people. That's interesting. And those are good lessons. You know, I, I know we've got, uh, I mean, you're basically out prospecting and spreading um, spreading the word, getting people to get interest in, the, in that religion. And it teaches you a lot of skills, you know, when you come back in, and, uh, in sales and all kinds of other things. So I, I'm always impressed with the people that go and, and serve two years and, and go knock doors. And, I mean, it's a tough sale because, like you said, a, a lot of people are very judgmental, though they don't need to be. Uh, well, and it's, it's funny, too, uh, about that because Sweden is probably the most unreligious place in the entire world. I mean, it, it, it is a tough sell to go there and, and talk about religion. You know, mm -hmm. m most people, well, like, perception of a normal person in Sweden is they just think, like, you just must be a, a brainwashed, uneducated person that you're involved in this. And they, so they view it with a lot of skepticism. And, and they are not religious over there at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think how I can relate that a bit to real estate is you want to use your time effectively. Because at, at first, we'd go out there and knock on the door, knock on just random doors of people for, you know, five, six, seven hours a day. And I, I learned really fast that it was, for the most part, a waste of time. Because mm -hmm. you're there really interrupting people's day in their home, and they don't want to talk to you. And so... Uh, I learned that it's better to be creative and find a, a good way to get in front of people where they will be receptive to you. And so for me, like I quit doing very much of the door knocking. We had to fill the day. So, uh, and when we're missionaries, we have different, they always assign you with somebody. We call it a companion, you know, another person, another guy to be with. And so... I had pretty much given up on the door knocking thing, and uh, but I had a guy who he was all about it. He wanted uh -huh. to go do it, and so the compromise is that we would do it for an hour a day. And I remember looking at the clock, like because I would time it. We are starting now, and we're doing exactly one hour, and we're done. And then we're done because I found just other ways to get in, to to meet with people. Like it, every, everybody in Sweden studies English. You study it, and it's mandatory first grade to ninth grade. In Sweden, everybody studies English. So they had a need of substitute English teachers. And then they, they love to have someone who is a native speaker of English to come in and be the substitute for the day. And so I found that that was just a way more comfortable for me and fun and a nice way to be in front of people was I'd I and I'd drag along my companion, and we'd be the substitute English teachers. And we got to meet so many people in a nice and comfortable way where if we had knocked on the door, they'd just slam the door in our face. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. On last week's podcast, I had uh, Daryl Broswell, and he, he basically said he studied what agents did, and he just did the opposite. You know, so if it, when everyone's doing open houses, he just went and found a different platform to be able to do that. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did there. Um, you still get in front of the people. You just get in front of them in a different environment, and that maybe they're more open. Yeah, and 
you want to be whether it's real estate or, or doing that you want to be in front of in in front of people in a way that they'll be receptive to you mm-hmm. in a way that you have some credibility and yeah like i think real estate's changing a lot cuz when i got into to real estate at first you know i got my license in 2002 in georgia mm-hmm. and one of the most common ways was door knocking going around and door knocking um, cold calling people. Yeah, we actually you know, had two trainers with that company that that's what they taught, right? Yeah, they pushed that. They pushed that really hard. And I think society has changed a bit because I would do those things and, and still do um, a lot less now than what I did. You know, back in, in that time years ago, it was just a lot more effective. Now I think people people are a lot more suspicious now. And so... I find other ways like social media and, and other things to just be a lot, lot more effective. That and referrals, of course, are just much more effective ways to prospect. But, right. but you know, it's funny. The, those old things, they still work. It, it's just, though, you, you, know, you have to divide up how you do things. Yeah. So when you came back from your mission, mm-hmm. I mean, that, was that tough, again, leaving your friends behind? Well, it was it was a big transition. Uh, it was hard because you had all of this structure in your life from the church, and you you had uh, a mission and and a duty that you felt you know very proud of doing, and you you also though had a very defined purpose about you're telling people about the church, you're talking in church all the time, you're talking at people's funerals, you go and visit the, the sick and elderly members of the church, and, but you have all this structure in your life, and then you come back, and you're still a young, you know, I was 20 when uh-huh. I came back, and you come back, and, you know, you just have no structure at all, or I didn't, and so I felt very, you know, lost for a bit, and I mean, I had my plan. I enrolled in, in college and went to school. I went to school at the University of Georgia, but, you know, it, I did feel this kind of void because you you had such a you know great purpose that you were working toward each day as a missionary, and then you come back and you just yeah, you, yeah you do, your, you just, your your day was structured, your everything was structured. You knew what you you had to do, and now you come back and now you got to create that yourself. Yeah, and and it was you know yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, so my son Tyson he and uh, Beta also, I mean they played football, and I know they both. Have, come out of it this is their first year out of high school or college football and I, I know that's been a tough change for them too so I hear it it's I've never had to go through it but I, I hear it from a lot of people so um, but you did play college football there too for the University of Georgia right national championship year or what yeah <laughs> <laughs> they won the national championship in 1980 and that was a little bit before my time <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think really looking back that I, I enjoyed being a student and, and learning, but I really missed the structure in my life. Uh-huh. And uh, one day I was in the in the student center lifting weights, and uh, a guy came up to me and and you know he uh, he told me he was on the football team, and he said to me he said, um, you know. You should think about it. You should think about walking on and giving it a shot. 
We need a slow white guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't slow back then. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he saw me lifting weights. And right. He, you know, no, he, he figured maybe I could maybe I could handle it. But I did, and I went, and, um, you know, I, I did. I, I was looking for some structure in my life, and I thought I thought it would be a fun thing. When, when I went in, I really didn't know if I had what it took to make the team. But mm-hmm. I, went to the, I went to the tryout, and uh, um, a lot of guys tried out. Mm-hmm. Very, um, they kept a very few. But I was one of the ones that made the cut. And, and so, you know, so I, I made the team. And That's awesome. Yeah, and, th- and then that really did bring the structure. Right back, back quick, into, right? <laughs> oh, back quick. Yeah, that was – playing at Georgia, it was like a job. You know, it was really structured. It was, you know, in, in the morning, uh, 6 or 7 a.m., getting there and doing a workout, and then you go to class till you know, in the morning, have lunch. You go right back there to the football building to watch film and get ready for practice and then in the afternoon you have you have practice mm-hmm. so like it and you know and then practice is done you go eat dinner and do your homework that's your whole day go to bed and do it again yeah go to bed do it again every day so what position did you play ah i played running back nice so yeah um you played behind a, a, a... well there was Record-wise, we were not that great of a team when I played there. I played from 94 to 96, and we were about a 500 team by our record. But, man, we had a lot of great players mm-hmm. on our team. And even, you know, at the running back position, um, uh, I played with Terrell Davis. Right. And he and I played the same position. And, um, you know, in, in high school and stuff, I was, I was a pretty good athlete. But, yeah, I realized that um, everybody was a great athlete on that team at, at Georgia. And he in particular, because we played the same position, yeah, just um, thoughtful guy, smart. You know, he did well in school, and he really bright and picked up things quick with football. But he was a great guy, yeah. great teammate. Yeah, and he, you know um, – he knew that I'd been off, you know, uh, not playing football for two years off on my mission. And so he took it upon himself and said, you know, hey, Kimball, come over here. He's, let me, you know, let me show you a few things to help you out. He was that kind of guy. That's cool. You know, he really great teammate and unselfish guy. And so, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was really great to play with him and, and, and all those guys. Was there any other big names that went into the pros from there? There were, there were quite a few guys, a lot, that had good pro careers. But another name that people would know is Heinz Ward. Yeah? Yeah, so uh, Heinz Ward was uh, a quarterback coming out of high school. And I didn't know uh, at the time, but when, when he showed up, um, he, he was 17 years old. And, you know, and at the time I was probably maybe, you know, 22. But I was like, wow, who is this? cocky skinny kid and uh he 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 was quite full of himself so i just didn't like him right off the bat Uh and even like he and i would like in the workouts kind of jaw and get on each other's case and like that and uh then we went out on the field and started playing and i i realized like oh 
this guy's like about a million times better than I am. <laughs> he's pretty. He's pretty good. He can back it up, huh? He's, he's pretty good. And oh man, uh, I would say something really special about him and about Terrell Davis. I mean, the playbook is really complicated, and so Hines they started him off playing running back, but then our our quarterback got hurt. They moved him to quarterback, and. Yeah, the plays were so complicated, I could barely figure out what I was supposed to do as a, as a running back. And, you know, he's basically a freshman, and he, he knew what everybody. He, you know, he could absorb it really quick. You know, like, you know, I learned this guy, he's like, he's a football savant. I mean, when it comes to football, he's a genius. Because, I mean, I could have studied day and night, and I couldn't absorb the playbook as, as quick as he could. Right. So, yeah, he... So taught, taught me a lesson there, you know, oh, who's this cocky kid? And I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I'm, if I catch him on the field, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop him. I'm going to murder him. But you're not going to catch him on the well, field? <laughs> I couldn't catch him, first of all. <laughs> and then second thing is, man, this, you know, well, both of those guys uh, made the Hall of Fame. And seeing them on a daily basis, how hard they worked, but also how, how smart they are, you know, you, well, they earned it. You know, yeah, I have a lot it. of respect for, for them and their effort. You know, and those guys were great football players, but they were also great men, too. Yeah. Well, Georgia had to have been a great college to go to. <laughs> I mean, you took me there uh, what, a year, year and a half ago, two years ago. We went and saw a game. And football, if you've never been back east to a, a game like that, it, it's, a, it's a life for that whole town. Right. Oh yeah, it's a big event, and the the stadium now. Well, when you and I went, it holds right. At, it's just a little under a hundred thousand people, and, and so it was full. It was full, and the whole like around the game is a big I- event. And Athens, Georgia, it's about forty five miles east of Atlanta, and so people from from the whole state come to go to the games. And I mean, you know, it's it's a big deal, and it's it's a good party. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and your your good buddy Pat has a has a bar downtown. Yeah, one of my teammates there. Um, yeah, he he also played there. That's yeah, right. Yeah, he played. He he was a linebacker. But and just uh Patrick is a great friend and a really cool guy. And he and I got along. Pat had been in the military. He was in the Coast Guard. So, he and I both, you know, with my mission, we're older than the the typical freshman and so he and i hit it off and became naturally drawn together yeah and so and pat um he's big muscular guy super strong and uh he played linebacker he's from upstate new york that was another thing too you know most of the guys are from the south yeah and he's from new york but and well after college though pat just he stayed in athens and and he opened his his own bar and he has a very successful bar his business is called Cutters mm-hmm. there in downtown Athens and that place has a lot of bars and a lot of them most of them last about 6 months before they go out of business and he's been in business uh, 15 maybe close to 20 years and so you know smart guy and a great businessman yeah gentle giant yeah, yeah. He's, he's a neat, neat guy. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun going there to go to experience that game, and we got to hang out his 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 establishment before we went down there. He went to the game with us too. 
Um, but it's walking distance to the stadium. It was just, it was a cool night. So, um, but it was unlike anything I'd ever seen because that amount of people, and it's it's college football. I mean, I mean, it's South just different. loves their college football. Mm-hmm. In in Georgia, we well, we think we're going to win the championship every year. <laughs> <laughs> and the last time we won was 1980. Hey, but we're still hoping. Hey, but you've come <laughs> close. Come close since then. Yeah, come close. Lost to Alabama in overtime. What about three years ago? Yeah. So well, blew, close, blew the lead, right? That's right. Close, <laughs> but no cigar. <laughs> that's right. Gives you something to keep rooting for. <laughs> so, um, so you got your degree? Yep. What'd you I, get your degree in? My degree is in political science. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, yeah, which, which I really in, enjoyed. Uh, which it was funny because my my aspiration at the time was that I wanted to go to law school and become an attorney. And so I got my degree, I, I applied to law school, you know, uh, took the law school admission test and all of that, and I, I was getting ready to go. Um, and the tuition for law school is... Cheap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, it made me nervous, because at the time, I'm like, wow, you know, like, and you know, and this was back 20 years ago, and I thought, wow, you could take that money and you could, you know, pay cash for a house. That's a that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so I struggled with, you know, um, just how much the tuition was. Well, and then my dad, I, I have a lot of respect for my dad, but, but my dad sat me down and he said, he said, son, you know, you can do whatever you want, but he said, I, I want to tell you, don't do that. He's like, don't be a lawyer. He's like, I want you to do something productive with your life <laughs> that you can be proud of, and don't do that. And he was kind of joking, but he's kind of serious. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got accepted to school, but I, I, you know, I took his advice. I kind of wavered till right at the at the very end until I had to commit or not. Should I listen to my dad or should yeah, I? <laughs> should I not? Yeah, I don't know what to do. And but ultimately, I decided not to go. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you go do? So uh, I went, I followed him into the nursing home business at first. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that for about five years. And uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, it, it was tough because, um, you know, you, you work there in, in an old folks home where people are sick and dying. And... You know, you you meet people right at the end of their life. But for me, I enjoyed meeting the people. I really enjoyed getting to know them and even hearing about their life and what they experienced. And um, that part of it I really loved. It was really strange because, you know, I might only make friends with somebody and know them for six months or a year or two and they at pass. most, and then they would pass. And that was a, that was just a strange thing because I was in my I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. and just yeah, knowing knowing that when we met, this was not going to be a long term relationship. But you know the the people that I got to know, um, I really enjoyed it, and they they made an impression on me. But it it did though, take a toll. Sure, you know losing people like that because 
not everybody, but a lot of times you get really attached to someone, and then when they passed, it really you really felt that loss. And did did you ever get to a point where you you stopped getting con- attached to them because you knew they were going to pass, or no? I, I think you with, still with everything, gave it at all. You know, with everything, you you just meet people who you connect with, and you know, it definitely wouldn't be everybody, and. You know, I was like the low man in administration of the of the nursing home, and you always have you have people who complain about everything and who are so unreasonable, and like those people I didn't miss, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know there are great people too, or people who who I really connected with, and we it might only last six months, but we really had I felt like a true friendship. Like part of the joy in going to work is seeing them and. Even if we just visited for five minutes that day, I'd see him almost every day, and I looked forward to it. Yeah. And, but, but yeah, it, it did. Um, it it took a toll, and so I realized that, yeah, I've had about enough of this, and it's time to go do something else. And uh, my brother, my brother Spencer, um, graduated from college and got into real estate, and so and Spencer. He did very well for himself as an agent right out of the gate. And so Spencer came to me and he said, he said, I know you're thinking about changing. He said, hey, I'm, I'm working in real estate and I really love it. You should come work with me in real estate. So I did. Mm-hmm. Did you love it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Not I as much it. as him? <laughs> Probably not as much as he did, but I really loved it when... Um, when I didn't have to do much prospecting, and he gave me all the clients. Right. <laughs> and, and he taught me, and he, yep, write this contract, do this, do this. So, yeah, I, I thought I was some, like, super awesome real estate agent, and my brother was, was feeding me all the, all the clients in the business. You still learn how to do the <laughs> transactions. You still build the relationships. You still go through all that. And so and there's, yeah. you're still learning stuff, but yeah, you just you skipped one one important part is how do I generate the business? Oh yeah, because he did all of that part, so I didn't have to do much. I'd just sit there, and and then too, it was it was during uh, a particularly active like a boom time. It was yeah. a time when market there was, was a, good. market was good. There was a lot of buying and selling going on, so you you didn't have to be very skilled to you know to close deals. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but. As ever, boy, that that changed. Well, what changed too is so Spencer went in a different direction with his career, mm-hmm. and so Spencer's no longer in the office every day, feeding me deals all the time. Um, you know, Spencer moved on where he was selling franchises for for exit. So, or and then uh, he bought the franchise. He bought for a franchise. Yeah, he bought a franchise. He or bought he a bu- franchise in in Cedartown, right? Yeah, he had. Yep, yeah, he had and one there first. Converted his. He was he was at a point where he was building. He was trying to build a brand, and then he came along with Exit. He bought the Exit, started a franchise in Georgia, and then yep. bought the state in Utah. That's right. To to go out there and franchise, and that's where I ended up meeting him is out in Utah. Yeah, you met you met Spencer first out in Utah. So I was back in Georgia. You know, first working as an agent, and then I was running his office back in Georgia, and Spencer was out in in Utah selling franchises. Yeah, he actually moved out there. Yeah, he moved out there, and yeah, and that's that's where he met he met you pretty early on. Yeah, I think it was his second franchise in in 
the state. And I would have been his first if but the night I heard about it, they were already they were announcing their first. So um but no, he was he was great uh he was great uh regional owner and a great person to work under uh in that and, and big part of my success out there. So yeah, I was really blessed that I got to meet him even more so because it led me to be friends with you. So um, Yeah, it wasn't long after that that you and I met at that convention. Yeah. And, and you know, we really have been friends ever since we'd talk on the phone and um you would tell me Spencer was out in Utah. You told me <laughs> how I needed to to leave the beautiful green humidity and the the green trees head, of Georgia head west, and come out my to son. the mountains of Utah. Head west. <laughs> yeah, head west. And I didn't listen because I love Georgia. And I didn't listen for for a long time. But we didn't give up. No, you did not give up at all. I think you called me uh, every day for about a year. <laughs> <laughs> and it started. It might off, be a little exaggeration, but well, well, but there yeah, was maybe, a lot. <laughs> maybe you missed like a day here or there, but probably not. Actually, <laughs> but at first is this real, conver- real polite conversation. Hey, Maury, it's Brandon. How you doing? And then I, it quickly turned into I just pick up the phone. Hey, when are you moving to Utah? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, me and your brother worked on you pretty hard there, but yeah, yeah, they they did, and I was resistant for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but you you and you but eventually I ended up, you and I ended eventually up coming yeah. along and yep hitched up the wagon and moved out west to Utah. Yeah, it was. Uh, it it was an experience when you got there. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's it's good. So um, so do you miss Georgia? There are things uh, about it that I that I miss for sure. Uh, you know, I still have a lot of family and friends back there, but I've lived in Utah now since two thousand five. So mm-hmm. like basically fifteen years that I've been in Utah, and yeah, I came out to Utah. It was going to be a six month trial. And then I'd see, oh, maybe maybe I'll stay for a year at the most before I go back to Georgia. And yeah, 15 years later, I'm still in You're Utah. still there. That's because we got you <laughs> to put some roots down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, yeah. Utah is Utah's a beautiful place, too. And, man, living there close to the mountains, and it's, it's beautiful. And Salt Lake is just a nice, small city. I um, I was living in in an Atlanta suburb um, before I moved to Utah, and if anybody you know, if you've been to Atlanta, you know, Atlanta is traffic hell. Like I I had a, a commute to my job and you know to to the office in Atlanta. It was six miles and it took forty five minutes each way, and and it's just part of life of living there. Mm-hmm. And I, and man, I got I got to Utah, and I swear in Salt Lake. You can get from about anywhere to anywhere in about ten minutes. It feels like used and, to be able to. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's filling up now, but it's filling up a little. But it's still it's not any it's not half as bad it, as as Atlanta back in two thousand four and five. Right, I guess it's it's all perspective where you come from, right? Yeah, well, that's man. I got like a hour and a half back for my day of not just sitting around in the car doing nothing. And now like, you now you work like what? 2 miles from your house? Yeah, now I live like a mile and a half from the <laughs> office, so. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm pretty spoiled. Right? Get to go home, take your dog out at lunch. <laughs> Never miss a beat. Um, what do you do for fun in Salt Lake? Um, I really I like the summer more than I like the winter. You know, in Utah of course is known for its skiing and 
I grew up in Georgia. I'm not a great skier. I can do it, but I'm definitely not not great. But I found that I really love in the summer going up and hiking in the mountains. Like to <laughs> me that, um, well, it's funny. The first time I ever went was with you. Well, I remember. Yeah, and so you know, I'd it, never been on like the side of a cliff. It wasn't a cliff. It was a hill, Maury. But <laughs> I, I thought you thought you were going to fall off. I thought it. I was going to fall <laughs> off and and fall to my death. Yeah, you know which. You know, now it doesn't bother me at all. But back then, I was I was like up against the side. <laughs> I was so because I'd never it, seen anything like that. It was that. hilarious. It, yeah, it was. I'm like, well, well what are you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm scared. Heights bother me. Yeah, and that really unnerved me. But now, now it's no big deal at all. But I I really find a lot of peace and and joy of just being up there, you know, hiking. And I found out that hiking means different things to different people. Yeah. Yeah, because to me, this is what hiking means to me, because we live really close. The city is really close to the mountains in Salt Lake. So I can start off from home, and I can drive up and, like, be up in the mountains within, like, 15 minutes. And, you know, and that's in the mountains, that is not, like, not to the mountains, in the mountains. the mountains. That is in the mountains where you're ready to get out of your car and then walk like onto a mountain trail. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I like to go hike for, you know, depends on how I'm feeling that day, but two to four hours, no more than that. And oh my gosh, in Utah, some people, well, that's not hiking. That's just a walk. You know, they, <laughs> they think hiking, you got to go like out and stay out in the back country for a week. Yeah, go that's, overnight. Nah, that's not me. Like, let's go for, yeah, three hours is good. You know, four max and then let's go back to the car and then you know let's let's go down and go get a bite to eat and a drink and call it good right <laughs> that know? was a good day you, that's a good day and you get right. plenty of exercise trust me yeah walking up and down the mountain for for two or three hours well i do miss the mountains in utah there's a lot more green um there's some good hiking out here too and i'm going to take you saturday and i'm going to show you what a cliff is <laughs> just don't push me off <laughs> we're not going to the grand canyon but we're going to a cliff <laughs> So, no. So, you like to hike, um, outdoor stuff. Um, anything else? I mean, what are your big hobbies? So, I, I like to watch sports. Yeah. So, of course, follow, still follow very closely my Georgia Bulldogs. And um, there's still hope, man. <laughs> there's still hope. <laughs> it's always next year. <laughs> and so, um, you know, follow my NFL team, the Atlanta Falcons. And no hope. I like, well, you know, from living <laughs> over in Europe, I like soccer. I really like soccer, and I, I follow uh, the English Premier League. And Did you fall off a mountain? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you like soccer. Yeah, I really like soccer. I, I, my team is Arsenal, and they're having their worst season in, the, like, the last 25 years this year. But, hey, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you like sports. Um, so you um, – Still sell real estate in Salt Lake. So you yep. got your license in U Utah when you moved there, yep. right? I and that was a pretty easy process. Yeah. Would you just have to pay the fee? Yeah. <laughs> Georgia and Utah are totally reciprocal. So right. I, didn't, I didn't even have to take a test or do anything. I just... Oh, the hardest part was getting the Georgia Division of Real Estate to send out my paperwork to right. Utah. That, I remember that was the big one. that was a... I, I, I swear. And then, so you sold there in... Um, You've also done, you've worked at financial institutions like uh, Fidelity and stuff like that, and got into the stock market. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was always interested in the stock market. And really what what happened is when I first moved to Utah, it was a booming market. It was a fantastic market, but then we had the crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, I quickly realized that, you know, I didn't I didn't have any clients anymore. And so I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now? Well, I, I've always been interested in the stock market and trading stocks and like that. And so, yeah, I got a job with um, Fidelity Investments. And, you know, they got my Series 7 license and, and went into being a stockbroker and trading stocks and bonds. And I'm, I've, I was fascinated with it before, but I've enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and I still do. Like I, sometimes I work in real estate full time, um, but I'm, I'm really drawn to financial services still. So a lot of like when I find jobs that interest me, in financial services, I'll, I'll go back there and go to work. And I've worked, so I worked with Fidelity Investments. I worked with uh, E-Trade, worked with Wells Fargo Advisors. Mm-hmm. I worked with Morgan Stanley, probably spent the longest amount of time working with Morgan Stanley. And then, and, and even like right now, um, I'm doing stuff with, with SoFi. because I had some friends who um, joined that company when they started a trading division, and, and then they decided to to start trading cryptocurrency. Oh, wow. And so I didn't know anything about that, but a couple of guys that I worked with in the past worked there, and they they told me, hey, you know, you should come work with us and roll out this cryptocurrency and get that going. And and so, yeah, I did that. that it rolled out in um, October, November last year. But I'm I'm still there messing around at at SoFi. But I mean, really though, the financial services comes and goes, and real estate is is the constant. So you're kind of drawn to both. Yeah, I am. I'm drawn to both. Mm-hmm. And you'll never be out of real estate because you're also one of the owners of the Salt Lake uh, City Signature Real Estate Office. Yeah, and yeah. I, I am, and and you know I sell too, mm-hmm. and. You know, over the years, I I have uh, a group of clients that that I'm always going to work with. Right, and that office up there is just beautiful. I mean, you guys have done a great job putting that together. Um, you know, you have about ten thousand square feet. You got the the polished concrete and the glass offices and big great room. And I mean, yeah, it, it is a, probably it, the best location in the valley with the views and everything. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's right there. It's right where you get off the freeway. The the ski resorts are about a mile away where you go up the canyon. I mean, it, it's a beautiful location. And and the office, it was designed, you know, in mind for a place where agents can have events and that it would be an impressive place for agents to show their clients, mm-hmm. but also be a fun place to come to work every day. But our agents up there have really done a fantastic job of taking advantage and having all a lot of events. You know, if it's somebody new in the business, they have, hey, my here's my launch into real estate party, and they invite all their fam- family and friends. Yeah. And or agents that are more established, they usually have quarterly events. Same same kind of thing where they, um, you know, invite their clients into the office and just have a great event. 
Yeah, it's neat, and I love going up there and and seeing it as it's grown over the over the past year. Yeah, the year. Uh huh. I mean, it really opened in January of 2019, a, yeah. a year ago. Yeah. And yep it it started with uh, one agent, uh, myself. Agent Zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and Brandon and Mike would they they called me Agent Zero because they said, well, you haven't sold anything. And then, so, yeah, it took, like, three, three, four weeks, but something went into escrow. I'm like, hey, I sold something now. And I'm like, okay, you're agent one. <laughs> From zero to top producer like that. It was That's just That's what great. I told him. I said, I am the top producer in the state, not only in this city, in the state. You should show more respect. For signature, right? Yeah, for signature. And they said, shut up. Uh, but, <laughs> but, well, we, we've grown a bit, though, in, in the year, so... Um, we hired a, a much more experienced broker than I am. You know, I've been in the industry. Well, much more experienced broker than me, too. I mean, he was... Well, he trained you, right? Yeah, he was a broker when I got into the business, so, yeah. No, his name is Mark Handy. And Mark, this is... Mark, for Mark Handy, this is his 41st year in real estate. And Mark's a great guy. Um, he's very tall. He he played... 6'8". Yeah, 6'8". I eight. learned that. Yeah, 6'8". And he... Uh, he was a four-year starter for in basketball for BYU. Yep. And but very knowledgeable guy, and uh, and he, then also Jolene Lehman, who is our office administrator. They are just they're a great team. So yeah, so Mark was my very first guest on the Signature Life podcast. So episode one is the interview with Mark. Oh really? And I've known Mark a long time. Like I said, I've been in real estate like almost twenty-three years. And he was my first broker. And that, the interesting thing enough is Jolene was the administrator in, in our office, not right when I started, but she came on. So it was like getting the band back together, you know. And But they yeah. do a tremendous job, and I think he's That's he's what I close. told him when I, when I met to, to interview him to hire with him. I said, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but We're going to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and it, well... So the office started off with one person up there, and we're about sixty-five agents now. Yeah, he's so he's pushing. Pretty, he's almost seventy now. Yeah, yeah, pretty robust growth in one year's time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's neat to see that growth and that happen, and um, look forward to seeing everything that's going to happen up there, um, because I I anticipate there'll be multiple locations and and quite a quite a market share from the agents up there. So I'm excited to see all that. Yeah, so. it's coming. It's exciting, for sure. What would you say the biggest challenge in real estate today is? I, I do. Uh, prospecting is a challenge. Generating the business? Generating the business. And and the people who do it successfully, of course, they're the ones making the dollars and, and being successful. But they keep their clients, they satisfy their clients, and their clients are loyal. Mm-hmm. And they do repeat business with them. They get referrals from their clients. And those are the people who have staying power in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the one and done, you know, the slash and burn strategy of the, uh, the hard sell of old, I just, I feel like, I guess it could work, but I feel like that approach is less successful. That you do really have to be organized you you have to contact your sphere of influence, and you know you have to get to 
get those referrals. You get the people who that you've worked with to refer business to you. And yeah, and then that's that's how you be successful over the long term. Yeah. And so you come from a unique perspective too because you you deal in the finance world and then the real estate world. I mean, what is your forecast? And I'm not going to hold you to it. What is your forecast for the uh, the market over the next year? You think it's going to crash, get better, stay steady? What do you think? What I see, and and I'm no expert for sure. And but you are on this show. <laughs> yeah, self-proclaimed expert. But you know, I, I'll tell you from from now about 20 years of you know, working in financial services and following the stock market, nobody knows what's really going to happen. And if anybody acts like they know, they don't. They're lying to you. They don't know. I mean, it's totally unpredictable. I mean, we, you know, events happen in the world that, that affect real estate, that affect financial markets, and we don't know what they are or when right. they're going to happen. However, you know, we look to the recent past as a pretty good indication of what the future will be. And what I see, um, both in, in Salt Lake and in Las Vegas, prices have gone, home prices have moved up very, very quickly, mm-hmm. very rapidly over the past few years. And we're hitting a, hitting a ceiling where affordability is, is a big issue. Because somebody has to pay that mortgage every month. And we're hitting a ceiling where uh, affordability is being stretched. And, you know, like when I first moved to Utah, you could buy uh, a three-bedroom, two-bath house. You could buy it for under $100,000. And now the, the entry point is about two fifty. Right. And that's that's a really small home in a bad part of town. And you're lucky to get it. Yeah, and you're lucky to get it. Because it, multiple offers. Yeah, it might get 15 offers. Mm-hmm. And and what I understand about the Las Vegas market is that it's it's, it's very similar. similar. Mm-hmm. And so uh, prices will continue to rise, but, um, you know, just very slightly. They won't – we're not going to have a – 20% year over year increase in the house yeah. in the housing prices and but i uh, historically in an election year usually the economy well there's uncertainty political uncertainty about who's going to who's president going to be who's going to be in power and that usually affects the market uh, i don't think i really don't i see less volatility now than historically i think we're going to kind of continue you know the economy is pretty strong i mean mm-hmm. around the country unemployment is extremely low salt lake has a lot of jobs so so there's a great economy so people are going to buy and sell houses um his, historically though our inventory is very low but it, it's it's coming back you know it's starting to normalize a, a bit but Interest rates are low, so homes are, are still affordable. Homes are going to be bought and sold. The economy is going to be good. That's, that's my forecast for the next year. It's really we're, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing, I think, over the next year. No, I think and, you're right. And I think, hey, trust me, uh, a downturn is coming, you know, it, at some point. You know, I don't want to say when. In, in financial markets, there have been – you know the doomsayers have been calling on the stock market to 
to turn for the past five years. Right. And, they, and they've been wrong the past five years. Yeah, it's interesting. I had an agent the other day tell me, well, first of all, everyone's been saying, hey, um, the market's going to crash, market's going to crash, you know, real estate's going to crash. And I've been saying, it's not. Relax, calm down, right? Sky's not falling. Um, and then somebody came in the other day and said, hey, I went to a thing, and they said that prices and everything are going to stay stable over the next year. And I said, crap, the market's going to crash. Because <laughs> I really believe it's it's pretty much probably the opposite of what people think. So, um, I, But I think we're going to be steady over the next year, and I think uh, it's still a great time to buy and sell real estate. Um, the thing I fear is the higher the prices get, they create new loan programs so people can afford it, and that can ultimately create a, a disaster like we saw in the past. But yeah, Hopefully we learned something from last time. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you really believe that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, you know, hey, markets markets and the economy do, it cycles up, it cycles down. Right. And if you don't mind, now I just want to talk a little bit about investing. Okay. Because, you know, really when when a down market comes, like when the stock market starts to crash, that's a great opportunity to make money. You know, the truth is that everybody's afraid. Most people don't have a lot of money to invest at that time, and even if they do, they're scared out of their minds. Mm -hmm. But when the market is down, you're buying stocks at a cheap price. That's when the rich get richer. That And, and that's it. This is the Warren Buffett strategy. When mm -hmm. you, you buy, when others are fearful. And it's it's a very easy thing to say. It's a real gut check when you put real money at work. And, and you know, when CNBC and all the, you know, news media is going crazy, the, oh, the stock market's in chaos and it's falling. But, but the other problem is, is a lot of people don't have the money to take advantage of it. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's... Uh that's a sad thing, too. So, I mean, you should always prepare yourself and put money away because, like you said, there will be a downturn. Uh, we don't know, we when, don't know how big or whatever, but markets go up, markets go down. I mean, it's going to happen, right? Yeah, and smart investors are putting, putting cash aside now mm -hmm. so that you're ready, you're in position when, when that happens so that you can because that really is, though, when, when the rich get richer because they, they buy the stock when it's at half the price that it is now and then eventually the market recovers right and and then their assets come back and the you know the 5000 they invested in a down market becomes 20 or 25000 yep and that's you know? the stocks but it's also housing you know yeah, what i mean yeah it's housing too that, mm -hmm. well good point yeah I exactly right and you know with some experience i see that 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 is how the wise investors position themselves mhm mm no you're right so Anything else you want to add before we call it a call it a show? No, I'm sure I'm sure that I probably talked long enough. <laughs> no, no, no. Now we'll have to do a part three and four. But uh, no, <laughs> no, Maury, it's always a pleasure to have you. I just thank you for your friendship over the years. I think you've been an amazing inspiration in my life, and and you've uh, just been a, a, a rock that I could always count on. So I thank you for that. Well, thank you, thank you for having me, and this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Signature Life Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review and subscribe. Don't forget to also follow us on YouTube and Facebook.